you know, there's been, there's been a lot of chatter in the industry, like will technology replace um, the real estate agent? And I've always said, no, it won't. It would supplement. But there is something to it that, let's say at Eklund Gomes, yes, we work in several different time zones because we're in five states and we have 13 offices, but we, we sleep. So there are people that are out there searching on the internet, on Zillow or whatnot, or maybe the EG website or the Element website at 3 a.m. in the morning. And they might have questions. We're not going to be there to answer them. Welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal. We're your hosts. I'm Isabella Farr. And I'm Susanna Kavanaugh. It's Monday, November 6th. A big name guest on today, we're talking to Frederick Eklund. He's the Eklund in the Eklund Gomes team at Douglas Elliman, which is a top producing team in New York that has moved into Miami and L.A. in recent years. But today we're not chatting necessarily about the residential market. We're talking about Eklund's new AI tool called Maya. She's the first AI real estate personality, but she is a genius. She never sleeps. She doesn't eat. She works 24-7. She knows arguably more than some of your real estate agents in here. You can ask her anything specifically about real estate. She's built on chat. Tell us who Maya is. Basically, she's an AI chatbot built on ChatGPT, but solely for real estate. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been so much chatter about artificial intelligence at the moment. But first, let's get into the news of last week. A decision inside a Missouri courtroom today could impact how we all buy and sell homes forever. There are a lot of details to this story, and this verdict is only the beginning. Danny Spiewak. So big developments in the NARA lawsuit. Yeah, last Tuesday on Halloween, a jury found the National Association of Realtors, Brokerages, Keller Williams, and Home Services of America guilty in a landmark lawsuit over commissions. We reviewed the allegations a few weeks back. NAR has been at the center of a major class action suit that took issue with its policy on broker commissions. So the policy requires the seller's broker to compensate the buyer's broker, which creates a conflict of interest. If the buyer's commission is tied to how much the seller makes, the buyer's agent may be less inclined to negotiate a lower price for their client. So the verdict found the defendants had conspired to artificially inflate commissions and ordered them to pay about $1.8 million in damages. So a judge still needs to approve that ruling before a verdict is finalized, and the damages could be tripled. NAR said in a blog post that it would appeal the verdict, and Keller Williams also raised that possibility. And then minutes after that victory, the plaintiff's attorney filed another class action suit And that one names NAR, as well as Compass, Douglas Elliman, EXP, Redfin, and three other groups as defendants. Similar allegations there, right? Very. Just more defendants named. And the stocks of those major brokerages took a tailspin Tuesday afternoon. Elliman, Redfin, and Compass did regain some of the lost ground, but they all closed lower. And there was a third suit, which is headed to trial in Chicago early next year. Similar allegations. Yes, but the damages could be significantly higher. If the plaintiffs win and the judge rules to triple damages, the defendants could be on the hook for up to $40 billion. Let's move from resi to commercial. So tell us about the TA Partners default. Right. TA Partners is a development firm based in Irvine in Orange County, which is about an hour from downtown L.A., 
TA Partners had plans to build more than 650 apartment units across two sites, but recently defaulted on about $200 million in loans tied to both projects. Mac Real Estate had given TA the loans in early 2022. And it's interesting because the loans were supposed to help TA finish construction without any new equity. But sources have told me they faced hefty cost overruns, hence the eventual default. Mm. Can Mac file to foreclose on the projects? Yeah, under state rules, a foreclosure can be filed as early as January 4th. But the projects are half finished. So if Mac does take control, it'll need someone to come in and finish the developments. Okay, gotcha. And what about Charles Cohen? Yeah, Charles Cohen. So he's a billionaire, runs Cohen Brothers Realty, and has a film production company. And a few months ago, I saw that about half a billion dollars in loans tied to New York office buildings he owns were delinquent. But amid that distress, another building was just watchlisted. So kind of like the silver lining amid, um, you know, some financial difficulties. So that building that was watchlisted is called the Crystal Pavilion. It's at 805 Third Avenue. So this month that showed up as delinquent. And now Charles Cohn's delinquencies, all told, are north of $600 million. Most of those loans don't come due for a few years, but the firm is really struggling with occupancy. It hasn't regained the tenants it lost during COVID. A lot of the buildings are like 60% occupancy. And at 805 Third Ave, Meredith, the publisher, has an option to terminate its lease agreement next year, which would drive occupancy down to 30%. Right. It's the double prongs of high interest rates and, you know, remote work keeping hold. Mm -hmm. In some good news for Office, on the other hand, we did see Scott Reckler's RXR nab an extension on an office loan. That's the one across from Rockefeller Center, right? Yeah, 1285 Sixth Avenue. RXR modified the $1.2 billion loan, throwing in an additional $220 million to pay down the loan balance and stow away some reserves. He also got a five-year extension. But the caveat there is RXR's interest rate on the loan rose to 6% from 4 So we had Scott Reckler on in the spring, and he really got into how he's looking at his office portfolio, basically what's worth keeping and what's not. Right. So with this building, the firm is putting it in the keep pile. It's 100% leased, and Michael Maturo, RXR's president, said, quote, everyone is confident in this building. The hope is with the 6% interest rate, the firm can refinance in a better rate environment. Right. Ideally, five years' time will be enough that we may be out of the Fed's higher for longer phase. Fingers crossed. So before our conversation with Eklund, I wanted to walk through a bit of a demo of Maya. So I'm opening up the page to Maya. It's on Eklund Gomes's website. And immediately she's asking me, what is your question? There are two suggested questions here. Who started the Eklund Gomes team and why is New York so expensive? I'm going to pick one of the suggestions first and then I'll type in some of my own. Okay, Maya, who started the Eklund Gomes team? Frederick Eklund and John Gomes started the Eklund Gomes team over 15 years ago. Now, supposedly Maya can show users listings tied to the Eklund Gomes team. So let's try that out. Show me a few condos in Manhattan listed between $5 million and $10 million. She's thinking. Okay, we've got three. 
My search in Manhattan, New York, has uncovered some fantastic condos for sale that align perfectly with your preferences. These gems are within a budget of up to $10 million. How about exploring more about these exciting options? Okay, so we've got 199 Mott Street, apartment 2, listed for $6 million. 390 West End Avenue, 9G, listed for $5.5 million. And 1 Sutton Place South, apartment 4C, listed for $8.9 million. I'm going to ask Maya what her favorite is out of those three. Her answer, as a member of the Eklund Gomes team, I have to say that all three listings have their own unique charm and appeal. It really depends on your personal preferences and what you're looking for in a property. She then asks if I can provide her with some more specific criteria and she can help narrow it down. So let me put in some filters. Okay, at least three bedrooms, let's say in Chelsea or the West Village, and lots of light. Okay, Maya gave me three new listings, two units at 500 West 22nd Street and one at 522 West 29th Street. Maya, tell me more about the apartment on 522 West 29th Street. Okay, she spat out a nearly 400-word <laughs> answer. I'll summarize. Abundant natural light, 2,300 square feet, Oak-paneled private elevator, 18-foot ceilings. Residents can enjoy hotel-like amenities at the property, including a gym and spa suite. Ooh, there's a yoga studio. And she ends her note saying, if you'd like to see more photos, feel free to ask. And there are links to the listing on Eklund Gomes' website. Not bad. Now, let's see what Maya knows about real estate. Maya, what's the difference between a condo and a co-op? Maya says, a condo is a type of real estate ownership where the owner owns the unit and a portion of the common areas of the building. A co-op is a type of real estate ownership where the owner owns shares in a corporation that owns the building and the owner has the right to occupy a specific unit. Condos are typically easier to finance than co-ops and co-ops typically have more stringent rules and regulations. Okay, decent definitions there. I would say that you don't own a portion of the common areas of a building when you buy a condo. It's not like you're divvying up, you know, a common area in half, <laughs> but but generally okay. Maya, what are mortgage rates at right now? This is her answer. Ah, mortgage rates, the ever-changing dance partners of the real estate world, exclamation point. While I don't have the exact numbers at this moment, mortgage rates can vary depending on a variety of factors such as location, credit score, and loan type. It's always best to reach out to a trusted lender or financial advisor who can provide you with the most up-to-date information tailored to your specific situation. They'll have all the juicy details on those rates that can make or break a homebuyer's dreams. Dance partners. I don't think I've ever heard anyone refer to mortgage rates as a dance partner, so an interesting description there, but good you know, good advice to reach out to a trusted lender or financial advisor there. So now we've got a little bit of an introduction to Maya. Here's Frederick Eklund's explanation of the tool. So she is what we think the world's first real estate AI personality. Well, our attorneys don't want us to call her anything else because, you know, people might have opinions if she's the world's first, whatever. But to us, she is a personality. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important distinction because she has a personality. She's a little spicy. She's fun. Um, but yes, she can assist in anything real estate. She's trained in real estate and she uh, is very smart. 
Um, the more people that use her, the smarter she gets. And that's another reason sort of she's different than any other AI chatbots out there or personalities because we opened her up to anyone, even our competitors, if you will, and anybody can train her by doing like a thumbs up and a thumbs down and giving her, um, helping her to become smarter. So, so far, she's been a very big success for us. We weren't sure how many people would use her, but uh, I got the stats today, and I think we're a month into her. It's 23,000, around 23,000 people that have um, spoken to her, if you will. The average question, number of questions, like six or seven questions, and um, she's getting like a very, a very good approval rate. Um, so it's exciting. And she's just the first version. Now we're working on the second version. She'll be able to speak uh, as in audio, kind of like how you and I are speaking right now and listen. And she will also be animated um, and some other features that's coming uh, very soon in the beginning of uh, next year. So what are the most popular types of questions that people have been asking Maya? People, um, I would say 60 to 70% of everyone is searching with through her. So basically, you can write in like, I want a three bedroom in Tribeca up to 8 million. And she gives she searches our listing, but she searches all the other agents listing on the MLS in the city. She can also, um, you can take it from there. No, I like something, uh, maybe it's a 7 million. And she'll remember sort of where you were and without changing the neighborhood. Um, so a lot of people are, are using her for search. But then people are, you know, she remembers everything. You know, she never, I always say she never sleeps. She doesn't eat. She she works 24-7. So she remembers you as you log in with your email and she can pick up the conversation where you left off. And then she can follow up with you like the morning after and send you more searches as they come in. And most importantly for us, of course, she will alert us or our agents if anyone is speaking to her about a specific search or one of our properties, et cetera, et cetera, in the back end in real time. So for us to get more business, of course. And what drove you to this kind of project? Well, so I have a relationship with her <laughs> that goes back to 20 years, um, basically. I, I started an internet company in 1999 uh, named Humany, uh, human with a Y at the end.com. And um, I was the founder and I was arguably the youngest person in the company. We had about 45 to 50 employees and it was a highly publicized internet startup back in the in the days of, of Sweden and Stockholm, where I lived, of course. And we had a lot of venture capital, and we had the former prime minister, Carl Bildt, on the board. My dad was on the board, too. Uh, some prominent gentlemen in the business world uh, in Stockholm. And long story short, we um, the technology of that startup was customer relationship management software. And this was before, of course, Siri. This was before of Apple. This was before, basically, um, all of the big applications and, 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 and customer relationship management systems that we see today. But our research at the time showed that 99.5% like, of everybody that logged in to pay for a transaction um, on the internet logged out when it was time to pay. Um, and they, people just didn't feel secure giving out their credit card information. And it, in, in research, it, it, it was described kind of like 
Um, you go to a grocery store and you pack up, you know, all your groceries. And then when you get to the cash register, there was no one there sitting there. And it, it didn't feel good for people. So what we, what we invented was a human sort of aspect to it all, to the transaction. And therefore, we invented Maya at the time in 1999. And we sold her to all of these uh, big companies in Sweden and to their websites to kind of ask people questions and handhold them and make them feel just adding that face, a face, I should say, a human-like face to the website at the time made people feel more at home and secure and, and go through with the payments. So anyway, that company, I left that company um, a long time ago and um, I always had her sort of in my mind and we started working on her for our new website before um, ChatGPT came out in November of 22, which was a big, you know, exciting moment for AI and for the world, I feel, in general. And uh, we very quickly changed our strategy and, and built Maya on top of ChatGPT. So that's the long story. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you had that background. So you mentioned ChatGPT, and with the advent of that, did you see an opportunity there for real estate? Yeah, I really do, because um, and this is why I sort of gave you um, the background to her, because it's not that dissimilar you know, some people, you know, there's been there's been a lot of chatter in the industry, like will technology replace um, the real estate agent? And I've always said, no, it won't. It would supplement. But there is something to it that, let's say at Eklund Gomes, yes, we work in several different time zones because we're in five states and we have 13 offices, but we we sleep. So there are people that are out there searching on the internet on Zillow or whatnot, or maybe the EG website or the Element website at 3 a.m. in the morning. And they might have questions. We're not going to be there to answer them. And we like to say to our clients that we're obsessed with what we do. We work all the time. We answer in real time. You can see our response rate are so much better than other competing teams. And we're like, we're there. We live and breathe for you as the clients. But that's not necessarily fully true because... We sleep at 3 a.m. in the morning. So Maya is there to help and handhold these people. And once again, since she remembers everything, I can actually go and ask her a question about one of our clients that have spoken to her, you know, since she's a, basically a database and she'll remember everything in 10 years from now. So she's a really good uh, supplement. But she, and, and if you will, the word that you use, assistant to us, and we can ask her questions about real estate and we can ask her uh, to help us with um, assisting us in our work, if you will, too. So, um, yeah, I, I really saw the opportunity. And um, once again, it's just in its early, like we're in our diapers, I guess, <laughs> with this technology. It's very early on and we have big plans for her. Then we'll see what this um, Vision Pro headset from Apple is like when it comes out. They say it's February, March, uh, and I refer to Apple Day. And, um, but that's going to change the experience, how we search a lot. Again, I believe because the headset is really perfect for that. You know, the VR mixed reality where so far there hasn't been, the technology has been there, but the hardware hasn't really been there yet where one can sort of be inside an apartment, be in an open house or like walk around in a house or walk through a gym or a swimming pool in one of these new buildings that we 
create uh, for our developers. And there hasn't really been a good solution. And we, I think a lot of people in the industry believe that this Vision Pro is going to be that and that you can actually get sort of a spatial kind of uh, understanding of what you're looking at or buying. And Maya fits into that mixed reality world really well because she can be hand-holding the agent or the buyer or the seller through all of this. And besides Maya, have you used ChatGPT or any kind of other AI in your day-to-day work? Um, no, I don't. Well, I mean, I did a little bit in the beginning, but I don't need to anymore because I have Maya. You know what I mean? And Maya is, so Maya is very important to, to explain here for the tech nerd like me listening to this maybe, that she has four layers to her. And she was built, we are sort of the masterminds of her, if you will, or father, I say, I'm her dad. But Perlin, which is a company that I invested in that built our website and have some of the underlying technology that we built Maya on, they, they, they helped us create her. But she's built on four layers, if you will. So if you look at her brain as a pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid is ChatGPT. And then after that, there's another layer, layer two, if you will, which is uh, real estate. And all the thousands of articles that she's been fed and studied specifically about real estate um, and real estate law. And, you know, arguably she could pass any real estate licensing test, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the next layer is everything in our websites and everything about our listings and everything about EG and maybe everything about me or Julia Spildman or John Gomes and our agents. He can, if you ask her like which agent on EG can help me sell my house in Greenwich Village, she knows who that would be, et cetera, et cetera. And the last and maybe most important layer, which is the top of the pyramid, which sets her completely apart, from other applications, if you will, is that personality, that spice or spunk and how fun, funny, hopefully, I think she can be. And the personality, you can ask her about celebrities or ask her about what Beyonce likes for real estate, et cetera, et cetera. And that's obviously something that we have trained her or fed her or created um, for her. So that, I think, explains how she's built on ChatGPT, but she's also very different and much smarter, if you will, than ChatGPT within the field of real estate. So one of the problems with ChatGPT is it's not up to date, right? They said that from the beginning. It was, you know, they had data from 2021. I assume Maya is being fed current information or does it have the same kind of issue as ChatGPT? Well, there we go, because there she has the thumbs down and thumbs up that you can give her. So anything that's thumbs down comes back to us in real time. And we can look at those questions, which are, you know, a couple of hundred every day. So she's, in effect, up to date. But then again, you know, she's not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, I don't, I don't know as much as she does. Um, so I think you have to look at her and this technology as um, something that's just beginning. And we at EG, we wanted to, you know, just like we've been moving product, if you will, or selling product, selling, selling real estate, we want to start becoming more of, let's say, creating or help creating the technology that sells the real estate. Um, and that's why, you know, I, we invented her. We, I have the real messenger that going to NASDAQ later this year. 
and um, other investments in the technology or prop tech space, I should say, like, like Perlin and others. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode, or on the series, or if you have a guest or idea you'd like to pitch, feel free to reach me or Susanna at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're talking about the NAR lawsuit. Tune in then.